Welcome to another episode of Bitches Love Sports. I'm Bitch 2. Bitch 1. We have so much shit in the background. What is going on? I'm glad y'all don't see the back of the computer. I'm like, I love this. Let's do this. My bad, y'all. Um, Kurt, you're bad. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Bitches love sports. Bitches have lives. Bitches were sitting here stress eating cake and popcorn <laughs> and gin and tonic before this recording started because, like, you know, life. <laughs> life will have you do that. A hundred percent. Um. And so, yeah, like, if you are a bitch who loves sports and you are also a bitch who gets stressed out, just, like, no, it's, it's all part of life. It's fine. Um, and so, yeah, that'll set the tone for the show. We've already had a lot of sugar and some alcohol, so. Here we go. go. We're doing <laughs> I know I am. I'm Crushing. fantastic. I'm doing fantastic. Oh, man, what a weekend in Phoenix. That was that was a lot of fun. I haven't been to an event like that. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on what you consider an event like that. Like, obviously, I've been to about last month in Phoenix. Um, we just had nationals, so that was like mm-hmm. a tournament involving multiple teams. But it's just something special about, like, when these mashup teams show up. I feel like we see <laughs> some really <laughs> interesting things on the track. It's fun to watch. That's just fun to watch. Oh, I bet it is. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it was fun to play too. And as a matter of fact, like, you know, shout outs and call outs. My first shout out is going to Black Diaspora Roller Derby. Say that again for the announcers, maybe. Black Diaspora. <laughs> <That> was- <laughs> did they mess it up on the stream? Oh my God, what did they say? What did they say? How did they say Diaspora. Flynn <laughs> and I were like, the first time we're like, what? Like, maybe we misheard. Oh, they did the same thing with the Rose City stream. They said diaspora. Yeah. They said diaspora. Yeah. They said uh, dysphoria. What? Yeah. They dysphoria. just misplaced the whole letter. They be putting the emphasis on the wrong place. It'd be like diaspora. I'm just like, no, so announcers, if you're listening, um, if you <laughs> if you forget how to pronounce diaspora, you can go to Google I'm going to show you. You can go to Google and you can type in the word. I'm not joking. This is unreal. (laughs) You can go to Google. You can type in the word diaspora and you see there's like a little button right next to it. And if you, if you push it, it goes like this and put this next to the mic. Oh, dang. My headphones are in. Anyway, if you push this little button. (laughs) You can do it. (laughs) Yeah, you do it. If you push the button, it'll pronounce it. And so that way, like anytime you have to announce for Black Diaspora, you will have a reference point for how to say the word diaspora. Yeah, Espain's going to do it. Diaspora. There you go. There you go. That's what Google will tell you. So if you ever forget, there it is. Cheat code right there. Diaspora. It's not yeah. that hard. If I know, <laughs> you should know. I'm not going to joke on y'all too much, though. Like, what would Little Roller Derby be without our volunteers, right? So oh, announcers, no. officials, oh, no. all those people, we love you, we need you. At the same time, we love you and we need you to pronounce our names properly right. as often as proper as often as possible. So yeah. we'll help you. Y'all help us. It's, it's, it's not easy. criticism. It's a give and take, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, first shout out goes to Black Diaspora Roller Derby. Um, so Black Diaspora was actually formed in 2019, right before the pandemic, and didn't get to do much for obvious reasons. And now, no. you know, the 
what happened? <laughs> well, you know, this whole worldwide thing <laughs> really messed up roller derby specifically. Um, but yeah, so um, the founders and other members of leadership and by other members of leadership, you know, my philosophy on leadership is that even if you don't have a specific title, like you might be a leader in an organization because, you know, power and authority aren't things that are always taken. Sometimes there are things that are given. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you might find yourself with no title, but next thing you know, there are people asking you questions, looking to you for direction, for guidance. Mm -hmm. um, and so for that, that reason, so I would true. say- <laughs> That is so true. It is true. I never true. thought about it that way, but it's it, so true. It is 100% true. It happens in every organization. Mm -hmm. um, in, my, in my first roller derby league, I actually helped them solve kind of an issue by explaining that philosophy to them mm -hmm. because you know they were like well you know the the team is doing this this is their charter team so in nashville they had an a team and a b team there were no home teams so for like a whole year i was just in the league but not actually skating or competing because <laughs> i didn't make either one of those teams but it allowed me to observe a lot and there was a situation that happened with the a team where it was just like the the culture of the team was not what they were trying to go for it's not what the captains and coaches wanted uh -huh. and um I remember going to them and I'd be like, well, it's because this other person actually has more power. And they're like, well, what do you mean? She's not a captain. She's not a coach. And I'm like, yeah, but she's got a lot of influence on the team. Mm -hmm. I was like, if you if you want to follow the direction of power on this team, you're going to tell somebody. Mm -hmm. I, I told them, I said, tell somebody something that they're not supposed to tell somebody else. It's going to get back to you. But when it does find out how it got like the channel that it went through and that will let you know the power flow. And so that happened and it proved me right. I was like, I told you because you told this person not to say nothing, but they felt like word had to get to this other person because this person has influence and now it's back to you. So um, that is a little game you can play on your teams and leagues if you want to, you know, just figure out how things are flowing um, within your organization. But yeah, just know there might be people in your organization who have no title, Yeah, but they might have enough clout, enough respect, enough admiration to actually have power in your organization. And that's something that is better for you to acknowledge than to ignore because you can't deal with something that you ignore. Yeah. Um, so if it ever does become an issue, you can't just be like, no, this isn't a thing. That's not how human beings work. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, little education before going back to Black Diaspora. Oh, you just did yeah. so much shit. I'm like, wow, damn. All this yeah, no, we, we just we... talked about like <laughs> two minutes ago. <laughs> we can deep dive into it later. Um, oh, but yeah, so there are people in Black Diaspora who have who have power and who don't necessarily have a title, and they use their influence in some very good ways. You mm -hmm. know. Um, sometimes being on mashup teams can be a little bit scary. It can be unnerving. Um, but what I saw from this team was a group of people with mixed skill levels, mixed years of experience who came together and did some amazing things on the track. Now, anybody who watched, you know, none of those games were won, but I literally saw people get better in their positions as the weekend progressed. I saw people learning. I saw people supporting each other in their learning um, there were people on the team who said that skating with Black Diaspora this past weekend was the best roller derby experience they've ever had. And I feel like if you go to an event and you don't completely whip everybody else's asses, things like that are some of the best things that you can ask for, especially if you look at yourself as an organization that plans to have a place in the derby community for a long time to come. Um, and so even though everything didn't go perfect, like what I saw 
people experience and how I saw them grow and how I saw this group gel as a team, even though it won't even be those same people playing all together. Like the people who played against guns and rollers were not the same people who played in this tournament, hence me being there. Um, But yeah, that, that was really awesome. And I think as black diaspora finds its identity experiences like that, are going to be what keeps the organization together, mm-hmm. even when there are events where, you know, you have to pick people of a certain skill level, because mm-hmm. that happens. Like the group that played this past weekend, if, you know, if given the choice, one, I think there would have been some different skaters there simply because of the competition that was there. And also like, if you look at the game against guns and rollers, had it been that same group, that outcome would have been very different. You know, if we're just being honest, you know? So, and this is the case with any league, with any team, yeah. You find yourself in positions where sometimes it's like, oh, it doesn't really matter who we get, who's available. Like, if you're available, come on, we're going to do do this thing. Yeah. And then there are other times where it's like, no, this is going to be for our high level skaters for two reasons. One, you want people to have a good time. And it's like there's there's a line between being challenged and just get your ass whooped. And there's nothing that you can do, you know? Um, one of the things Terabyte always taught me was that the one of the biggest differences between, um, like, derby with, like, highly skilled and highly experienced skaters and derby with, like, less experienced skaters was the speed of the game. And that was the thing that, one of the things that, like, irked the shit out of me when I was a beginner was just that it wasn't even so much that I couldn't execute the moves. It was that things were literally happening so fast. Mm-hmm. Half the time I did not know what move to execute. Yeah. And that is no fun, you know, <laughs> for anybody experiencing that. It's not, you know? <laughs> so it's like if you want things to be fun, you need to have, like our friends at a California Derby Galaxy said, access to right level derby, you mm-hmm. know? And then there's also the fact that like if you think about the most skilled, the most experienced skaters, they don't even though they're the most well-known skaters, they don't make up the largest part of the derby oh, yeah, community. For sure. So if you want them to have the same number of high quality experiences as everybody else, more than likely is going to be a lot of those people playing each other. Right. And so like anybody who, and this isn't about black diaspora. This is like for any team, this is anybody who doesn't get selected for a roster for a tournament game, whatever. Like one of the things that was, highly valued when I was developing as a skater was having that attitude of like, Oh, I didn't get picked for this team. I didn't get picked for this game, this roster. Okay. I'm gonna bust my ass to make sure that next time it comes around, I'm gonna get picked, you know? And it always, it always went that way. Like the first time that I tried out for Nashville's a team, I didn't make it. But by the end of that year, I qualified for their B team, you know? By the time I left Nashville, I I made their A team. I never got to skate with them. I moved away before I got to skate with them. You know, when I came to Texas, um, first time I tried out for Charter, I made the B team. By the time before I left Texas, I made the A team. Once again, <laughs> left the league before I got to skate with them. But it was just like, yeah, I was constantly in a cycle of trying out for things and not qualifying. Oh, but then the next time around, I was ready. But it was because I kept putting work in. And so it's like, I encourage everybody to, to get think ready. Of it like you that. stay ready. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, she and I were just talking before we started recording about a time period when for Texas Roller Girls, people were trying out two and three times and not making it, you know? And now you've got people who try it one time and make it. And then when they don't make the travel team, they mad, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, bruh, you you have never seen what it's like to be in a league for three years wanting to be on their travel team and just 
just never getting that nod, never getting that go ahead. Or even one of our friends, Chris, she tried out for a travel team at Texas several times and did not make it. And so I'm just that like, unreal to me. <laughs> I understand the frustration. I feel like we've gotten way off topic. I was like, shout out Black Diaspora. Woo! Here, let me also air my other grievances with the dirty community. Um, but I just want really to say, I just want to say, I just want to say, I just want to say that if you really want something and it's like, like for us is derby or whatever, like you're going to have to go after it. It's not yeah. going to come to you. Skills are not going to come to you. There's very few people that are freaks of fucking nature, which fucking jealous. And they just like, <laughs> it's just like easy to them. And then it's yeah. me that I have to spend hours by myself trying to do a fucking move. And then I can't, I can't no fucking do it. But still, like if I you want to do it, like you have to go after it, period. And then you have to be willing to do other shit, like not play or, you know, or play very little or and like just watch and learn and just bond and like get better. Yeah. And she's not kidding about the hours. When I taught myself how to <laughs> hockey stop, that was two hours in the Nashville Roller Girls warehouse by myself. Mm-hmm. Just music on. Mm-hmm breaking the movement down over and over again mm-hmm. until I eventually got it. And that was just one side. <laughs> I had to go the other way. You was, already got 50% of it. You got 50% down. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I would I would just really like to see that drive come back to the Derby community as a whole. Because, mm-hmm. like I keep saying, these next few years are going to be some really important years for the sport of roller derby. And I feel like the more people who have that drive and who have that, like, go-after-it attitude – that's going to be better for the sport, I you know, agree. but, agree. um, like getting back to black diaspora, I can't wait to see what's in store for this group. Um, Me too. you know, it's, it's, it's really one of those things watch. where it's like, I don't know if a lot of people know this and I've been, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but there's nothing wrong with mentioning it twice, but roller derby is very rooted in, or the, the origins of it, I should say, very rooted in punk rock culture. Right. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things about punk rock culture in the early 2000s, you're talking about a time period where uh, Black women could get fired from a job for wearing their natural hair, you know, or having a rebellious attitude as a Black person in the wrong settings could literally get you killed, you know? So there weren't- Arrested uh, at the very least. Yeah, arrested at the very least. So there weren't a lot of Black people in punk rock culture you know, wearing the clothes, dyeing their hair like that, you know, going out and doing the crazy stuff that people associated with punk rock culture at the time. Every now and then you might meet one. At most, it was usually people who were like really into the music, but the lifestyle, it was just a lot for a lot of people at the time, especially like where I was growing up. Now, if you grew up somewhere that was a little bit more diverse, East Coast, West Coast, yada, 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 maybe things were different. But for the mass majority of Black Americans, even if they liked punk rock culture and they were into it, Turning that into a lifestyle was like something different, right? And then you add on to that, that the founders of Flat Track Roller Derby here in America were a group of white women. Like if you watch uh, Helen Wills, you'll see a couple of Confederate flags in the background, right? Nobody makes a, a big deal bikini, about that. A whole bikini. Yeah, Confederate flag bikini. Confederate so, <laughs> and it's like, nobody makes a big deal about that. And it's not something that we need to make a big deal about right now. But I'm saying that to say that, you know, for this sport to have grown from a grassroots culture and from a very social culture, and that's what you're looking at. Punk rock people, people wearing Confederate flags, yada, yada, yada. Even though people will say, oh, you know, Black people haven't been excluded from the Derby community on purpose, 
It may not have been on purpose, but it was 100% a byproduct of how the sport grew, which was women going to other women in places that they frequented and places that they were familiar with and asking them to join. So it was basically white women asking other white women to (laughs) join this community, which became centered around (laughs) white women, right? And so eventually that expanded to men and eventually to more black people. But for there to be enough highly skilled athletic black women in this sport to be able to compete with a team out of a city like Portland, right? Yeah, that is something that should 100% be celebrated. Oh, you know 100%. what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I like, I, I still remember when people just started finding out I existed on the derby scene and pe- me being confused <laughs> with people that I look nothing like. People like uh, Death by Chocolate. Um, I remember somebody telling me that, like, if I wanted to get better at skating, I should watch Freight Train because our skate styles were alike. And I was just like, have you seen Freight Train? I have, like, <laughs> I wish our skate styles were alike. And even as I'm getting so much better, like, I think even at my peak, my skate style will not be like Freight Trains, you know, but she's also been skating. She skated before she walked. <laughs> Like, even to this day, people confuse me and Diamond, and I'm just like, What? Diamond has never worn her hair like this. I don't think she ever will. That's not her style. You will never see me with sparkly shit. That's not her style. Like, I don't understand. But, But there are people who confuse us, you know? And so, like, I, I know some people wow. want to be like, oh, it's 2023. Do we need this and that? And I'm like, in this sport, yes, we do. And it is something that we that should be celebrated. And it is something that, you know, everybody that I know of who's a member of Black Diaspora is very proud of. Can you, you know? explain what is Black Diaspora? People might not. Oh. <laughs> so. Because I know. Yeah. And I know we know. But people that are listening might not. The term know. Black Diaspora basically refers to, like, all the people across, especially America, um, but it can apply to people around the world. It's just that people in other parts of the world tend to have um, a stronger connection to their actual lineage. So their actual nationality, as far as like what nation their ancestors are from. But it's basically the term that encompasses all black people. And so like I, for example, I don't know where my ancestors come from. So I can't really claim any particular nation, but I can say I'm part of the black diaspora because clearly I am black. That was just like the most. (laughs) That was like the simplest way to explain it. Anyways, black diaspora is just it's just a team made out of. Oh, what the team is? I thought you no, everyone, no everything, but like yeah, you go into it. So black diaspora is a team of black people, which is different than like um you know there's I think there's like like certain BIPOC organizations. Oh, okay. so BIPOC is like Black, Indigenous, and people of color, mm-hmm. right? And so that includes people who are other types of minority and not just Black. Mm-hmm. But Black diaspora is just Black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the Derby community, there's like I think Black diaspora probably is the bigger, the biggest team right now. But there's also Tim Indigenous, and there's also Tim Jewish. Yeah. Well, Black Diaspora right now hasn't cut anybody from the team. So Team Indigenous and Team Jewish, they both like release rosters of who's included on that team. That's so, true. And I could be wrong, but I believe there are people who would be considered Jewish or Indigenous who are not on the team. Because oh, I've yeah. seen people announce like, oh, I made the team. Not like, oh, I made a roster. Like I went, you know, I did this one roster. They're like, oh, I made the team. Yeah. Which to me suggests that there's some sort of like limit. Mm-hmm. There's some sort of exclusion there. Whereas Black Diaspora hasn't done that. Um, the 
Like, That's a good point. I didn't think about that that way. Yeah. Any like so far, it's been like people signing up and saying that they're available for certain events, and then being selected from there. I haven't seen them make like any like hard selections. Yeah. So, anyways, it's a good point to like you know like get your people together and just get yeah. together and like, which is represent. another reason why the skill level is so mixed. You know. Exactly. All right. Um, anything else you want to say about Derby? Any other Derby shout outs? Um, I mean, shout out to the organizers of Cactus Cup. That was a great event. It was a great venue. I just, you know, we talked about this and stay tuned because we will do it. But I watched a lot of it, uh, you know, between other shits. And, you know, I'm really excited. I'm just going all over the place already, Mm -hmm. like last time. But I'm really excited about how rankings are going to be next year. And I really am waiting for, I guess, WIFTA or MRDA to release how rankings are going to be. Like, what is it called? The calculator or whatever. The rankings calculator? Yeah. I'm waiting for that to come out because it's going to be, it's going to be so good. (laughs) It'll be interesting. (laughs) Yes. But I thank you, announcers, first of all. But I just, like, this is a really, like, exciting sport, right? Like, there's hits, there's falls, there's, like, a lot of shit going on at once. And sometimes, I don't know if it's, like, I'm just going to fuck this up. I'm sorry. I'm probably going to offend somebody. I just don't feel the excitement coming from the announcers. I think that's the the best way I can say it. So, we're going to go live sometime when there's a tournament. Just stay tuned because it's going to happen. And we will do our own commentary. I hadn't planned on announcing that yet. but <laughs> No, no. People need to be ready. People, need to, There's there's <laughs> a fuck ton of, 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 of tournaments coming up. This is true. So just that's why I said like there's a, there's a tournament in like a couple of weeks. So just stay tuned. It's going to happen. The reason why we aren't like signing up to be an announcer for an event is because we don't want some event or organizer to have to be held accountable for what we might say. So this this, this whole thing came up because while I was watching Cactus Cap and like they show like the announcers and whatever, like, hey, you want to be an announcer for like, you know, WFTDI or whatever. Like, I don't know. Like you can just sign up and like from your home, just watch it and be an announcer. I'm like, Fuck yes, I'm gonna do it. And I said, fuck yes. And I'm like, I can't even do it. I can't I can't because I'm, like, I'm gonna fuck it up as soon as I get on and I give my mic on. I'm gonna fuck it up. So that's why. Anyways, stay tuned. Stay tuned, as always. Oh, also, we have some awesome Twitter communities that are gonna be that yes. we're gonna be creating. So yes. stay tuned for that as well. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or if you're in our Facebook group, you'll hear about it. But we're really excited about excited about it. We figured out that like Twitter is the best platform for us. It does take time and effort to grow there, but because they don't have the same rules surrounding censorship and their algorithm actually caters to what people want to see, not what they want people to want to see. Right. It actually in the past few weeks has proven to be like a really good platform for us. Um, Plus, I'm about to uh, be promoted from general contributor to junior writer for Inside the Star. Shout out to Inside the Star. Um, and so there are, yeah, there are, every time I write something, you know, they shout us out and we get more followers. So we are going to be a lot more active on Twitter than our other platforms um, in the very near future. But 
we don't want to leave behind our audience and our listeners. So now that Twitter has like closed communities that we can create, we will be creating those and we will let you know about them as soon as they are available. Correct. I'm excited. I am me too. Um, okay. Anything else that related? We can talk about Derby all day, the but we do have happen. other stuff to talk yeah. about. No, um, <laughs> rolling here, babe. So the next shout out goes to hold on. I want to um, actually dang it. I don't know which one to start with. Like, I have a few NBA shout-outs to do. Um, so the next shout-out goes to the New Orleans Pelicans. So the New Orleans the New Orleans Pelicans defeated the Dallas Mavericks last night, 113 to 111. And what was special about this particular defeat was that they were without three of their starters, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, since the beginning of the season started, people were like, oh, the Pelicans are a sleeper team, which I really didn't understand because they made a solid a solid playoff run last year. And then yeah. people have been anticipating the return of Zion Williamson for like two years. So I'm like, with well, a team that made a playoff run, getting like their best player back for the first time in two years, how did you not expect them to perform well? I don't know. So it was just weird when people were like, oh, they're a sleeper team. I'm like, how do you anticipate the return of somebody for two years and then be like, oh, their team is a sleeper? You didn't you didn't think they were gonna do well? Anyway, um, <laughs> the Pelicans are three and one on the season. And last night, they were actually without three of their starters due to injury. So now they've proven that not only do their stars have what it takes to like get them into a postseason run, yeah. but they actually have depth on the bench, too. So that was really exciting for me to see. It's been a while since I had a really good reason to like really root for a New Orleans team. So I'm excited about what's happening with the Pelicans this season. Like literally, Ooh, like Pelicans. last week, somebody was like, I thought you used to love the Saints. You don't talk about them no more. And mm-hmm. I'm like. Well, Everybody keeps getting injured. <laughs> they keep not losing. A lot to talk about. So when it comes to Saints versus Cowboys, it's like, yeah. It's not in those. Yeah. So so shout out to the Pelicans. Um, next shout out. Who to do next? Ooh. Oh, okay. Okay. The next shout out is a combination shout out and call out. Um, the person being called out is the Lakers head coach. <laughs> And the person being shouted out is Stan Everett from uh, SportsCenter. So I'm going to play the clip just so you can see what I'm talking about. All right, let's see. Lakers were off on Tuesday, perhaps getting in some extra shooting work. They could use it. They're connecting on just 21% of their shots from beyond the arc so far this season. If that continues over the entire season, they could flirt with the worst percentage all time. That's a big reason why they're 0-3 so far this season. Is Darvin Ham. I don't know a painter that goes into an art studio and has everything available to him and uses the wrong colors to match with and he just gives up. You know, just got to keep drawing and keep drawing and keep drawing. But now, you, you know, you work your way into having a masterpiece. And that's the process. You know, understanding what colors go with what and how, what type of canvas we're going to set for ourselves. And I think the canvas thus far... Um, the blessing of the season so far has been, again, the way we've competed, the way we played tough, and the way we've defended overall. Uh, right now, it's like a finger painting with broken fingers. <laughs> Nine Lakers have attempted at least. Uh, <laughs> now it's like, a, so the, the person who made that comment is Stan Everett, and that's why he got that shout out. So. <laughs> So the reason why I had to shout him out for that is because normally on Sports Center they don't even talk shit like that on Sports Center. 
Like, if you are catching strays like that on the AM edition, well, no, this isn't, this wasn't AM. This was the late edition of Sports Center. If you are catching strays like that on the late edition of Sports Center, you have fucked up and you need to apologize to your fan base. So, that was so good. <laughs> when, like, I, I literally heard that at like two something this morning, and I was just like, "What? <laughs> what did he just?" <laughs> Not sports it. That's that's something I expect to hear at seven a.m. or Damn, later when son. Get Up comes on. Like Get Up first take. That's Get Up and first take commentary. That's not the type of comment I normally hear from the sports editor. But anyway, as far as Darwin Ham goes and the whole analogy, like you don't know a single painter, what did you say goes into the art shop yeah, and picks up everything and goes together? I was like, okay, so first of all, most artists that I know do they do have some idea of what it is that they're trying to create before they start they buying do supplies. There's shit available. Yes. And most coaches should have some idea of what the identity of the team will be as they put it together and conduct practices. You know, it's like, it would be like me conducting tryouts, not knowing like, do we need a jammer? (laughs) Like, no, like, (laughs) like, I'm sorry. That analogy just doesn't fly. So yeah. Lakers, I'm sorry. Um, You'll need to do better. You'll need to listen to LeBron. Not, I mean, he's not giving much better advice. Like, what was his comment? We ain't got no shooters. <laughs> like, <laughs> We're not doing good. No, but at least he was honest about it, though. He wasn't trying to, like, paint a good picture about it, you know? Like, at least he was honest about but it. But Ham is the... I don't know what to say. And I didn't really want to talk about the Lakers. I really just wanted to make fun of that comment. So, shout out oh, to Stan so Everett good, yes. for bringing some humor to SportsCenter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then great, like <laughs> softest diss ever. So that good. wasn't softest. That was he said it's like a finger painting with broken fingers. <laughs> that is not a soft diss. That was a hundred percent. Maybe it's soft for me because I would have thrown it like a few customers. <laughs> like you know, to make it a little more hard. But oh, that was so good. And my next shout out goes to. Can you guess? Can you guess who it is? You can't guess who it is. It's the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> For defeating the Warriors. You didn't even give me a second. I gave you a second. I gave you like a, a whole second. Anyway, the Phoenix Suns defeated the Warriors. I legit like Devin Booker and Chris Ball crossed my mind, but I didn't know you were talking about you like, known a team. I, well, I didn't know you were talking about a person or. Well, if you would have said Devin Booker, you would have been right. Because Devin Booker also. I would have been right if I said Chris Ball too. Yeah, yeah. But Devin Booker is not playing for the Suns anymore. Devin Booker gets a special shout out. I can already tell you didn't watch the game last night because you did not see what went down between Devin Booker and Clay Thompson, and how proud I am of D Book for holding his ground, even though Clay Thompson was trying to talk shit about the number of rings he's had, and and Devin Booker he didn't back down though. He was like, whatever. Okay, that's cool. So shout out to the Suns for winning. And (laughs) why are you laughing? Is the gym. <laughs> okay. So shout out to the Suns for winning. And I'm going to play you a clip for what happened. You want the long version or the short version? Sure. Surprise me. Okay. I'm going to play you the clip of what happened. To go. Great defense. Thompson hacked it away. Shot clock at 10. With both teams right around 50%. See, Candace, this is what I like to see. Two guards going at it, talking junk to one another. Look at Thompson and Booker. Yes, elite two guards. Look at they're still going at it. 
They go inside. Oh. So yeah, like, even when they didn't have the ball, they were just like talking trash to one another. And you talk about it being like an April type of atmosphere yes. here. That defense right there, that possession by Golden State. Oh, another technical. That goes on Aiden. He has three fouls in this game. And look at Booker <laughs> and look at Clay Thompson are continuing to go at one another. I'm here for it, people. I am Me here too. for it, Miss Parker. There's a game in between the game, Candace. You see what's going on out here. The people at home, both of these teams are trying to make Still a knowing. statement <laughs> for later on down the road towards one another. And that's why I, I kind of chuckle when people said this is just a mere regular season game. Mm. As a team that is fighting to come out of the Western Conference, these games, they definitely mean something. So you felt it when you two played and you felt like even if it was early in the season, it didn't matter. Yes, because you got the, the champs on the floor, on the road, Still a going. team that had the best record. They were 11 games better than they were a season ago during the regular season. And then they came up short versus Dallas in game seven in this building, getting drummed by the Mavs by 33. Time to make the most one of eight. That was a two. And Chris Paul the other way. Paul, 11 points, six assists. Hands to Clucker. Driving, floating, kicking. Paul, low, Aiden into Looney, out of the rack. And this game means more to Phoenix than it does to Golden State. Oh, it is! He got hit. Green, oh, now they got more separation between Booker and Thompson. Did they just tee him up? They did. Yeah. They were trying to go to commercial, and Clay and Book were like fighting. We'll see it whenever they come back. Oh, wow. It's game four. <laughs> and a beauty in the valley of the sun on TNT. Oh, they're going to show it after the commercial break. They're going to show, like, what, what happened. You can get kicked out. Oh, yeah. What does it mean? That- <laughs> Shaq is one of my ultimate favorite people. Moments ago, Clay Thompson has been ejected from this ballgame. We talked about him and Devin Booker getting into it. This was the double technical between the two. As Clay is going to the bench, he has words with the official Ed Malloy, who gives him his second technical and sends him to the locker room. But Candace, as he's walking off, it looks like he has a few choice words for Phoenix's bench. Looks like he says, You're doing all that talking. Let's see when it's time. Why they be talking like they're like playoffs or the finals or something? That was just game the vibe. Four. Like, <laughs> game, four. game four of the season out of eighty-two. But no, I was also wondering why he was so mad because I'm just like, if your rebuttal is I got rings and you don't, what did he say to you to get under your skin? Yeah, like I I don't know, but like clearly you saw it. Like he wasn't shutting up. Like no, he, like the whole time. Every the time the time. camera was on him, 
he was sucking his shit the whole time. The whole time. But that's why I'm proud of Book because clearly Book spoke his piece and said something Ooh, so really incendiary up, yes. that it got under Clay Thompson's skin and Thompson couldn't keep his cool. He got ejected. Book stayed in the game, scored over 30. So very proud of Bates. Very proud of Bates. Yeah. But they, you know, of course they did ask him, you know, like what happened. So, I mean, we got to listen to it, right? Oh, yes. Because we got the tea. Yes. <laughs> I mean, oh, it's sort of tea. It's, it's not really much tea, but like anytime you get a chance to hear Devin Booker's voice, like, why would you not? Of course. This lady clip. <laughs> You're gonna act like he don't have a beautiful man. He does. He does. He does he has a a very beautiful smile. And voice. And voice. <laughs> and voice. He has a really deep voice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh no, just two competitors. I mean, in my post game interview, I said it. Um, I love Clay Thompson and I have for a really long time, but you know, that doesn't excuse us from being competitive and talking to each other. Um, you know, I've always admired his game, you know, how he plays on both sides of the ball. Um, and obviously the rings speak for themselves. It's frustration, you know, I've been there before and you know they have eight or four rings, so you know, they're gonna they're gonna use that. I'm surprised and, Dream you know, didn't trust, even do nothing about uh, it. Rightfully so. I'm respectful, <laughs> um, but I don't have nothing to do with competing. Yeah, I mean, he and Book have gotten into it a little bit over the years. Just... just two competitors. I mean, that's a fair statement. Just two competitors, nothing serious. You know, just two competitors. One got kicked out, the other one didn't. <laughs> there you go. One was mature about the situation, the other one wasn't. So... I'll, I'll take them at, the, at their word. But like when I saw that, because like I'd been thinking about extending my stay in Phoenix so I could stay and watch that game. And when I saw that, I was like, damn, I wish I was still there. I wanted to see that game in person so bad. But I was just like, well, you know, it's the fourth game of the season. Like I'll just, I'll wait till later in the year to see the Suns play. And mm-hmm. when I saw that, I was just like, oh, I know. I could have been there. <laughs> but Spurs are cheap tickets this year facts but it's it's and it's really almost like the spurs are so, so bad though like a tuesday the spurs are so bad though it's like will d book even be playing if they go play the spurs because oh, i mean he'll be on the bench though and calm maybe we'll see we'll see that would be bullshit listen i get it i understand but that's that's bullshit you gotta be here to support your team you baby be we'll see but yeah if they do play the spurs it and it's cheap. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, a couple of more Phoenix-related shout-outs. Uh, Shout-out to Jay Crowder, who actually is one of my favorite uh, Suns players. But it sounds like they are shopping him around for a trade. We're not really sure why. You know, there's speculation that it just has to do with, like, um, contract renewal and typical business stuff. Jay Crowder has made some statements suggesting that it's deeper than that. I'm not sure. I felt like he was a very valuable member of the team. And it's sad that like now, not only is he not coming back to play, but also it sounds like him and the organization are somewhat at odds. Um, So yeah, I hope wherever he goes, he ends up with a good team that I enjoy watching because I would like to still watch him play. He's a great player. He's an enforcer. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, And then uh, shout out with love to Brittany Griner. 
Um, her appeal yesterday was denied. Um, it looks like Russian authorities are intent on having her spend nine years in their prison system and possibly transferring her to a penal colony. Um, and so I know one of the things that I was wondering for a long time that other people might be wondering is like, you know, the Russian justice system is different than ours. Does this fall in line with their typical uh, penalties for this type of violation? And the answer is it does not. Um, this is a much greater penalty than what most people with similar violations receive. Um, there have also been people who have entered the Russian criminal justice system on more severe charges that have since been released and her appeals are not being taken seriously. It looks like she's not going to be released for some time or at least not without the U.S. government making some serious concession to say, the Russian government. Like, um, and Joey B, man, come on. So far, they've they've made offers, but it hasn't been anything that the U.S. Uh, considers reasonable. It's been things like releasing people that are considered very dangerous or doing things that would be counter to the security of the American government. And they can't justify that for not only Brittany Griner, but other people who are currently being held in prison by uh, the Russian authorities. So... They're in a really tough spot right now, and it's really unfortunate that Brittany Griner and other American citizens have gotten caught up in the middle of whatever it is that the Russian government is trying to accomplish. I don't know the other citizens. I only know Brittany's situation, and so my heart goes out to her and her family. Um, but at this point, it's like it's not really clear what can really be done. Um, I want to shout out Sports is Told by a Girl on Instagram because literally as long as the situation has been going on, they have been posting about it every single day. Um, and that takes a lot of consistency and awareness um, and just like a dedication to the cause because for a lot of us, it's like, it's the cause, but it's just like, okay, well, what do we do? Right. And so it's like, if you're a person who's feeling like that, don't feel bad because fact of the matter is outside of continuing to talk about it, post about it, tweet about it, there really is nothing that we can do. Um, yeah. So yeah, just keep your eyes open, stay on top of what's happening so that if it does get to a point where there is something that we can do, right. everybody's on the same page right. about what needs to happen next. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so what sad. Sad. <sighs> um, I always feel like I end up talking about, that right before going into something I'm excited about. Ooh, Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. Oh, yeah. See, I knew it. I yes. knew it. I did want to shout out the Cowboys. Um, <clears throat> and I wanted to shout out CD Lamb specifically. I forgot to like render these videos right. So I'm going to try to pull them up and show them to you guys. Um, But like CD Lamb. And don't give me a second because I, I didn't even do anything. No, but you always do it. Every time I say CD Lim, you're like, oh, you love CD Lim. Yes, I love CD Lim. I love everything about him. Um, <laughs> um, but no, like in this in this game against uh against the Lions, like people have been on his ass all year for not looking like a wide receiver one and for dropping passes. And in this game, we saw him catch passes that he normally, honestly, would have dropped. 
there would have been drops in the past. We saw him catching passes amidst triple coverage. We saw him catching passes and not just running them into the end zone or running out of bounds, but being tackled inbounds hard, holding on to the ball, getting the first down. So I feel like he did a lot of things that people have been saying, oh, he needs to work on this. He needs to work on that. Now we're seeing the 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 results of that work and nobody's talking about it. But like when he drops passes, everybody's got something to say. Everybody's got something to say, including Michael Irvin's bitch ass. So, <laughs> so now that he's doing well, yes, I feel like he deserves a few more flowers than what he's getting because I'm like, this is what y'all been wanting to see. He got the most targets out of She's everybody. Not wrong. She's calling all y'all out. He got the most targets out of everybody in the receiver room. He got the most receptions. He got the most yards. He had the longest catch. And he caught some really tough passes despite all the coverage that was on him. He was getting separation. He was doing all the things that y'all been saying that he needs to do in order to prove that he's wide receiver one. So now that he's done it, acknowledge the shit. Don't just call him out whenever he drops a pass. Don't just call him out whenever, you know, he's not open and doesn't get any targets. Like, no, no, no. If you're gonna, if you're gonna call him out, then call him out now. Acknowledge that he's doing great. He looked amazing on Sunday. And I'm not just saying that because he's fine as hell. He he like looked amazing on the field doing his job. I have nothing to say to that. Thank I, you. I, I, I meant I meant to show the the, the passes because like of course I like captured the video. I'm gonna I see if I can show them. Like normally this thing won't let me show them, but I think if I just share my screen. One game. After he had uh, some recent bad performances, six interceptions last year. But he has had some nagging injuries. He's back in his starting lineup today. Second Beautiful. See that separation? Yes. <laughs> that was actually a really good pass by Dak, too. I got to give Dak his props for that one. He, he was a little. Uh, off in the first half. Who, Dak? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, you know. Kenneth! Yes! Oh, man. Diggs has some really nice legs, man. <laughs> he does. He's the pants, I'm telling you. Beautiful. Hey. Hit the ground got the first time. It must be the third one that I was like that I really liked. Or it might have been the first one. I think I caught four of them. Free plays. Beautiful. Yes. Mm. See, normally that would have been a drop. I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing. So, but like we were saying at the beginning too, like you gotta give the guy some time, dog. Like it's just yeah. like just because you named him, quote unquote. Wide receiver, yeah, wide receiver one, 88 club, all this shit. That doesn't mean like all the schools are going to come to him magically. Yeah. And not only that, but you also got to think about the fact that like with this offense operating the way that it's been operating, he really gets less opportunities in general anyway. 
So the mistakes are going to stand out because it's, it's not, it's not a high passing offense. Like the one game where we did have a lot of passes was Cooper rush with 38 attempts that he had. No Cooper rush has no business attempting 38 passes in a game period. (laughs) But you know, that was the most like in this game, I think it was what, like 25 pass attempts, something like that, maybe less than that 23. So he got 70 yards off of four completions. Hold on. Let me make sure I'm getting these numbers. Right. (laughs) Let's the box up. Yeah. All right. So okay, so Dak completed 19 of 25 attempts. So he only attempted to pass the ball 25 times. Out of those 25 times, six of those targets went to CD Lamb. Oh, I said he got the most targets. And the most receptions, he actually didn't. Noah Brown got seven targets and five receptions compared to C.D. Lamb's six targets and four receptions. But C.D. Lamb got 70 yards off of his four receptions as opposed to Noah Brown's 50 yards off of five. But the thing is, in order for C.D. Lamb to have a 100-yard game at this pace, he would have to have at least two more receptions, which would mean one or two more targets. So he'd have to get targeted at least like eight times. And so when you have like, look at all the targets, you've got CD, Noah Brown, Dalton Schultz, Tony Pollard was, was targeted a couple of times. And then you've got the other tight ends, Ferguson, Hendershot, and then you've got Michael Gallup, right? So if you're thinking that the quarterback is only going to pass the ball 25 times, maybe 28 with the the way this offense is operating, and you're expecting CeeDee Lamb to get the ball at least eight times in order to hit some of these numbers that that people are wanting to see him hit, that would be crazy. Now, it's not impossible. Like, it does look to me like the the, uh, chemistry between him and Dak has gotten a little bit better. I think Dak trusts him a little bit more for very good reason. Um. And so, like, maybe we'll, we will see that. And maybe as the season goes on and Dak kind of gets back into a rhythm, maybe he will pass the ball more. I hope. I don't, like, look, there was one play that he just, like, couldn't pass it and just ran the ball. That, that's <laughs> all back. I was asking. Like, I listen, I can still hear Flynn laughing at me because I was like fuck yes man that that is it that is it like you can you can run like you're able to like you're fit to take like to just a few yards ahead of you you know like just pass a line of scrimmage and like if you can get the first out by any means (laughs) but you know like you are you are you're capable of running with the ball you know like I I like to see that more often, like I, I'm very happy. Don't get it wrong, get it twisted. I'm very happy that you did it all once, but let you know, keep that momentum, like in that energy and that fire. I, okay. I, I, that was a that, I, that made me very happy during the game. That specific moment was really good. That didn't Micah stopping that fucking touchdown. Man, that yes. bitch is so fucking fast. Oh my gosh, <laughs> he did not get enough credit for that play. He like, did not, kind of talked he did about not. it. But I like so the game was actually happening while while Black Diaspora had a game. So mm-hmm. for most of that time, I was like looking at the score, but I couldn't really watch the game game. Mm-hmm. And when I went back and I actually watched the game, and I saw that stop, and I'm like, first of all, and we were not like 24 and six at the time. Yeah, no, we it was were like 10 and six. Or yeah, it was shit. like 10 to six because if they if they would have gotten that score, they would have taken the lead. Yes, which always mm-hmm. changes the whole vibe of the yes. game for the Cowboys. 10 and six. Ten and, six. and so 
Micah not only stopped a touchdown, but it's a touchdown that really could have changed the whole momentum of the game. Yes. And because it's like he stopped that touchdown, but of course they still got the first down. But then right after that, they end up turning the ball over right there on the one. Yeah. So like what Micah did pretty much saved changed the, the whole game. game. It changed yes. the entire like but the speed, like he got there faster than dudes who were closer than him. I was just like, if you watch that shit in like in that replay in kind of like a slower mo- like a slower motion than regular, tr- it's fucking. I like, want to pull it up. I'm do trying it. to remember when in the game it happened. Hold on. A great offensive line. Right. They get they're going to have maybe the best offensive line in the NFL. Michael was over by the quarterback. Everybody got him out and that's the one. They're still waiting for confirmation. They really thought they had a quarterback. He's like, no, 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 no. Just short. Wow, this is a great screen play. Went behind Jackson on the plays before this time. He pulls and he goes to the right. You'll see him pull. Hey, come on, follow me. I'm the under the radar. And then come back and throw the screen over here. Like, it's just so what a fast. great play design. As they rule him short. Let's, let's see if that is true. That is close. <laughs> just close as yeah, under the radar. And then come down just short. The best offensive line in the NFL. Yes, he is the best offensive lineman in the NFL. <laughs> he, he, he is. Our defensive, I should say. But look at the movement for a big guy out in space. This is where you really start to go, wow. He can run. They've got a great offensive right. line. Make it five that was that was that was the play that changed the like made the game the way that it ended otherwise <laughs> I, I i i think we might have lost if that would have been a touchdown? Considering how stagnant the game had been up until that point, I agree. But it's like, it takes a special type of awareness to even realize the importance of making that play. Like, <laughs> after the game against the Eagles, Micah literally said in one of his post-game press conferences, he was like, yeah, our our defense is set up to play with the lead. You know, he said that. Like, whenever they can force the opposing team to have to pass and things like that, that's when they play better. I think Micah understood the importance of not letting the Lions get the lead. It mm-hmm. wasn't just any other yeah. stop. He was like, no, under no circumstances can they score yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, and he had a, a very real sense of urgency <laughs> around <laughs> his actions. Mm-hmm. Somebody said that they clocked him on that play at running uh, 21 miles per hour. <laughs> Damn. With all the gear on and everything. Yes. That's insane. That's that's what they said because you know they have trackers on all the players like they track oh, everything. No. Even though, yeah, no, yeah, no. Uh, I know for sure professional football and basketball players they they track them and so they track things like how fast they're running, what their routes are. Wow, that's why like with uh, basketball games, whenever they show you like, oh, this is where all the made and the shots were. That's like literally 
There's literally devices in the arena that track that. And same thing on football fields. There are devices that, that track like where they ran, how fast it was, and yeah. stuff like that. So interesting. Very like if you ever watch uh, Mike McCarthy's um, press conferences and he talks about people's GPS numbers, that's oh, what he's talking about. Okay. All right. Well, Micah, thank you for saving the day for all of us fans. Thank you, Micah, for saving the day. Thank you, Dad, for not being a dick. Let's give him his flowers, too, because I, well. I know we'll get some shit if we don't. Yes. Dad, you did great. The first half, you sucked. You you did suck. You did. But the second half, you came around, and you did great. And great passes and great, great, great football. You did well. I still saw him being very emotional, but it looks like it didn't impact the team. want to go there, but yes. Too, too awful of a way, so... <laughs> Just yes. keep working on that because yes. the game will come where we're going to need you to be a little bit more even killed, sir. Yes. But I don't know. I think that's just who he is. People will be like, oh, Dak is such an upstanding guy. And I'm like, think about it. This is the same dude who said it was okay to assault officials who made a call that he didn't like. Yep. Like, that's that dude. <laughs> like, and I mean, you know, he is who he is. He's an emotional guy. You know, he, he, he feels away whenever they lose. He feels away whenever they win. Yeah. You know, so it is what it is. I'm just saying, like, that's just something you shouldn't say. <laughs> when when somebody yeah. shows you who they are. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, all right. Any other NFL? No. Well, shout out to Zeke for that interview. That was really good. I haven't finished what are you the whole thing. Oh, the oh the the thing the one that I missed. Well, <laughs> I just wanted so kind of a call out. To the guy that was asking the questions, which I don't know his name, but how dare you ask Ezekiel Elliott if he's thinking about retiring? You realize that's the same dude we called out last year. No, remember we did an episode <laughs> and we <laughs> were talking show. about we were talking about that same uh, show that Zeke was on uh -huh. and we were talking about how they asked terrible questions and how we would ask better questions Well, as the same dude <laughs> I, I stand I stand by what was said last year you will be like these bitches always call us how dare you like there's no be no talk about that he hasn't said anything I forgot what they asked him last year that, that we were that we were annoyed by, but it was just like it was some bullshit too, like his hometown or something. It was some stupid ass shit. But anyways, and then when Zig said, there was like a couple of seconds of silence. Like I, I obviously it's just I was just audio, so I didn't see. But I'm assuming Zig was like, let it play in my mind like that. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm not gonna look it up. But he was like, uh, no. He was like, and then the interviewer was like, well, you know, like you've been in the league for so long and like running backs are like you're getting to the average life, you know, running backs like has it crossed we your mind. And I'm like, why are you like, he said no. Like, why do you have to like dig in the fucking like, why? It makes no fucking sense. Like, bro, can't. That made me upset. Obviously, I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> nah, that, <laughs> but he was a really good interview. They asked him about uh, like before Tony Pollard uh, got to the team, like how does he feel about sharing "quote unquote" the running back position? And and I love Zeke, y'all know. But he he was just like we just like complement each other so well. Like we're just like both really good assets to the team in different ways and. Like, that's just how it is. Like, we bring both our best to the team. 
and he's a great player and he deserves all the reps that he gets. Good answer. Yes. 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 It's great. It, it was it was a good for the most part that I listened to, it was it was a really good interview. Besides that stupid ass question. <laughs> they asked him about Halloween. He went right before Halloween last year too. Yeah. Because they asked him about Halloween. Did he say what he's known this year? No. They were like, oh, are you so like super into like costumes and stuff? And he was like, uh no. <laughs> Last year I, I went really hard, but it was because of my girl. And I was like, you said the same thing last year. Did he say if they're so he didn't say they're going hard this year? Is he didn't is he say still the same girl? I assume. They didn't say it was a different girl. He still said he said my girl, so I assume it's the same one. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Anyways, I just, I just really, I, I, I enjoy the interview and like he seems so like a regular guy, down to earth, like very committed to the team and the sport, and like how he was talking about like it doesn't matter what your position is, your position is important to make the plays and win games. Like it doesn't matter who you are, where do you play, like your position is important just as much as the other positions to make the game and win the game. My man, I feel you, dog. I feel you. I do like all of Zeke's interviews and ones yeah. that I get to hear. Even, even like the locker room interviews that they do, like I feel like Zeke's locker room interviews are the most authentic. Like almost everybody That's a good else. That's way to, to describe him. I think he's yeah. very authentic. He's almost very everybody else, you can tell that they're either like thinking really hard about yeah. what they want to say or they're giving some kind of canned answer. Yeah. Like and like Micah is authentic too, but Micah is always on the on the how can I get better train. Yeah. So anytime you talk to him after a practice, after a game, he's gonna have some like super inspirational shit to say. <laughs> you know, Zeke is like the only one who's in there like laughing at Jerry Jones. Oh, Jerry Jones said this. What do you think? He's like, oh man. Called- That's just marketing. <laughs> no, no, like <laughs> he's he so called funny. uh what is Perry's in and the other guy? He called him biggest and butthead. Oh, the tight ends? Yes. <laughs> on the, on the <laughs> that's how that's that's how awesome this dude is. That is that is uh, a very fitting description. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of footage of them off the field, but from the way they've been described in like other articles, yeah. I just think it's so cute because it's like they're a little like on the family tree of yeah. of um why can't I think of his name? Uh, the other tight end. Oh uh, uh Schultz? Van- yeah, Schultz. Schultz. Yeah. So it's like they, they're they all have the same thing Schultz. Because it's like I if you look at how they play, they each have like different characteristics yeah. of Schultz. It's like if you put them together, like you still get Schultz. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a weird way to say that. That is that is very true though. That is very true. But, but yeah, it's just like these We two. also lost the player for the rest of the season. Oh yeah, Jordan Lewis. Yeah. Shout out with love to Jordan Lewis. Yes. Um and and yeah, uh, Dan Quinn was real quick to sign a couple people to the practice squad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like I was sad. Uh, one I of the guys sad. I'm hanging with the boys was like, "Yeah, this is this is you know a notice to like all the young players who think that you might not make a roster. Always be nice to your coaches because you never know when they might need somebody to come in mid season and fit in their system. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Exactly, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. So. I mean, I don't know if either of them will compare to Jordan Lewis, 
but I mean, <laughs> I trust Dan Quinn. So. I do too. I do. I just don't think they're going to be at that level, but I do trust Dan Quinn to make the necessary adjustments to yeah. keep the defense the way that it is. Yeah, I think so too. I can't wait till we play the Eagles again. I, I cannot wait to see what adjustments Dan Quinn makes to yeah. whatever the Eagles are going to throw at them. I, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. All right. The, I think this will be the last shout out. I don't know what bullshit we might talk about after this, but shout out to the Portland Thorns um, for winning a championship amid all the BS that's going on with the NWSL. Yeah. So um, this is, I'm reading straight from an article on ESPN.com. It says Portland Thorns cathartic joy after Yates report players and fans unite to reach NWSL championship game. So they're actually going to the championship game, I think is what what's happening. It says, in the third minute of the second half stoppage time with the score tied 1-1 in the National Women's Soccer League semifinal between the Portland Thorns and the San Diego Wave, Thorns defender Megan Klingenberg prepared to take a corner kick and the entire north end of Providence Park roared as one. Um, for the Thorns, it was a win that went to 11 on the catharsis meter. For the past 13 months, the NWSL has been rocked by scandal culminating in the release of the Yates report earlier this month. Portland was central not just not to just the allegations of sexual harassment and coercion against former manager Paul Riley, but also the way the organization handled them, paving the way for Riley to keep coaching. Gross. And so um, I did finally get to finish the documentary related to all that, and I realized it was the same people that we talked about back in like January, February ish. Mm -hmm. It didn't click that it was the same story until I heard the name of the woman who I can't even remember her name now, but when they said it in the documentary, I was like, I remember bear? because is it bear something like that? Yeah. Because I remember when we realized there was a woman involved in covering it up, we both went the fuck off. Yeah. And so, so that's the one that denied it and then tweeted like, I'm shocked. Yeah. And, and what is this? I don't know. Anyways, she, she, she denied it. She said that she had two hours later, it. two hours later, step down. And then, <laughs> and then she resigned saying yeah. that she was shocked about everything that she had found out, but she had actually, I she didn't was know. In you've been knowing, you've been knowing. People had told her directly. So yeah. How are we supposed to like keep women in like a good, you know, like if you if you put us down like that, man, like that's fucked up. You should have you should have been the first one. The, the whole story is fucked. To believe the player and to speak up for the player and to fix the situation when it happened like so fucking long ago. Yes. And the only reason I can think of that more people weren't talking about this is it is because it involved like two or three women and like two coaches, which in my opinion, is two or three and two too many. Mm -hmm. But compared to other headlines you see in the sports world related to this, it's a low number. But I mean, it it really is almost disgusting that people have become so desensitized to stories like this in the sports world that the fact that it was like, well, only two women reported this means that it doesn't get talked about, you know? <laughs> That is, like, disgusting. So it's like, y'all don't care enough to actually stand up for these women unless it's, like, 20 of them. Like, two women, two women in a whole organization covering this up isn't enough. Isn't enough. 
oh. for, for you to feel like people need to say something. Because it's like, you also got to think, like, let's mm-hmm. say it didn't come out the way that it did. We're talking about an organization-wide cover-up. All that does is create an environment where this can happen to more women, where more coaches feel empowered to come in and do things like this. And so it's like, I'm glad it wasn't more women, you know, but I'm still very disappointed that it wasn't reported on more, talked about more. Um, I, I agree. All of us should have known about this when it happened. Not yeah. now. Not like eight years later. Yeah, or so, nine years later. Um, but it seems like the NWSL is taking the steps necessary to um, not have this action repeated. Um, almost everybody that was involved in committing these actions and covering it up has either been removed or resigned. Um, and so like, sometimes that's all you can do is just hope that the new people who come into those positions will, um, will handle things better moving forward, you know? Um, but I really feel for the women who had their careers impacted. Um, I really feel, and and then it's like, you also got to think it's not just these women, like, you know, these women who were, who were speaking in the documentary, they were the ones who were coerced and who were mistreated. Right. But it's like, they had friends who were helping them in these situations, which if you've ever had a best friend or a good friend, then you know how them going through something can affect you. Or if you've ever been on a team you know mm-hmm. how knowing something is happening to a teammate can affect how you feel on that mm-hmm. team. So, or the team as a whole. Yeah, you know. So it like I'm I'm positive these actions have far-reaching consequences, and I'm just hoping that everybody can like heal from that. And you know, it sounds like the Portland Thorns are. Sounds like the NWSL as a whole is. You know, the NWSL has had some wins to celebrate this year. Yeah. So. You know, I still see good things in the future for for women's soccer, and I I just hope everybody has learned from this. (laughs) We can only hope. I mean, even even I listening to it from a perspective of running a derby league, there were some things that I took away from it. Because if you watch the documentary, what they're talking about in the very beginning is the they're talking about the circumstances that basically created space for this to happen, and they were talking about the fact that. professional women's soccer was having trouble at the time. They were having trouble staying afloat, getting funding. And they were like, yeah, because of this, we ended up taking more of a grassroots approach, which meant that our leadership was cut. And so a lot of the standards that you would expect for a new business just weren't in place. There wasn't a lot of money and there wasn't like an HR department. There weren't policies in place for every single thing that could happen. And so for, for like the, you know, the first several years, Anything that was reported, there was really nowhere to report it to. And they were saying how, like, you know, a lot of players just the general conditions, not like this specific treatment by coaches, but general conditions. They were talking about how a lot of players weren't satisfied and didn't feel like they were being compensated properly. It felt like the conditions weren't good for what they were expecting to accomplish as professional athletes. But nobody wanted to be the person who got the league into trouble or, or who was the reason that the league couldn't survive because at the time they were doing what they could with what they had, you know? And it made me think about a lot of leagues who, you know, whether you've been around for five months or five years, some leagues do have trouble getting the resources necessary, whether it's human resources or financial resources or community support to put everything in place that they need to be in place, whether it's, you know, making sure that they handle their finances properly, making sure that they have the right bylaws, policies in place and things like that. And so it does kind of create a space where people can come in and be like, well, there's no rule against this. So I guess I can, you know, yada, yada, yada. 
And that was one of the first things that came up when the first woman went for um, legal support. They were like, well, what do your contracts say about this? Where where the harassment policies related to what the interaction is supposed to be like between players and coaches, and they did not exist, you know. Wow. And I feel like there's a lot of leagues who can relate to that. And I'm not saying that you should take everything that's in your late leagues bank account to hire somebody to create things, but you need to have something tangible in place. Like start start where you are and do what you can. So even if you don't have it in you to write down a ten page policy. Make sure you have something in place that says this is what we will and will not tolerate. I know relationships happen between players and coaches all the time, especially in the derby community. But there's a difference between, you know, a consensual relationship between two adults who have decided that this is something that they want to do versus a player who is coerced into a situation because they feel like if they don't do something their coach says to do, that they will lose their playing time or that they could cause negative consequences for their whole team, you know, especially that younger than age, like, you know, yeah. People at that age, like they might actually believe that yes. Like, yes. oh, like if I don't do XYZ, all my teammates can end up suffering this consequence. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um if you watch a documentary, they they went on for like a solid 15 minutes about all the things that led to creating this environment where this happened. And almost all of them applied to where the Derby community is now. So that to me was just like it was like a, a warning sign. Just yeah. like, hey, just be careful. Even if you have a good heart, the people around mm-hmm. you who you talk to every day have a good heart. Like you're recruiting people to your organizations <clears throat> multiple times a year. Yeah. And you never know who might end up in there. And like you said, sometimes people with power don't have a title. Mm-hmm. So you never know who might end up in there and has a certain level of power that they decide to use in a way that harms your players, harms your volunteers, harms your officials, harms your organization. Yeah. So just just be careful. That's all we can ask for. Be careful. Yeah. Anything else we should discuss today? Mm, no, I don't think so. I'm looking forward to this Bears game this weekend. I am. <laughs> um, I'm sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Um, I don't think it's one that, that the Cowboys... <laughs> I don't think it's one that the Cowboys should sleep on. Um, oh, I don't either. I expect us to win, though. I expect us to win. Yeah. Um, what time do we play? Noon. So thank you. Yeah, it's early. I'm on this most of it. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm glad one of us is going to watch. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring my Zig jersey to practice. That's <laughs> <laughs> some moral support. <laughs> I mean... Y'all could always watch the game at practice. Put it on that TV in the back. We have how guests at practice. We have guests? Yeah. Who's coming? Yoshi and Evie. Yoshi coming? Yeah. Evie coming? Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. How long are they going to be in town? Yoshi gets here tomorrow. I don't know when Evie gets here. Yoshi gets here tonight. He coming to the scrimmage? No. He, oh. gets, he, gets, he gets here later. After the scrimmage. But yeah, he's going to be there. I don't know what I'm saying. Well, shout out to Yoshi and Evie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Welcome to Texas again. Well, Yoshi, I don't think Evie has played here. I don't know. Maybe he has, but it's going to be a good practice. Cool, cool. All right. Well, with that being the case, I think that's it. So, yeah, definitely make sure you're following us so you can get those cool ass updates for all the communities yes. that we're going to be starting and the promotions that we're going to be having on merch leading up to Black Friday. 
and um, whatever cool ass content we end up posting, maybe, maybe not, we will. So, that being said, I'm bitch too. I'm bitch one. And we're out. Bye.